Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Cedar Cypress Podcast. I'm Liv. And I'm Allison. And we are still alive. Yeah. We're back. <laughs> Sorry, guys. We did not die. <laughs> um, we have been out of tune with podcasting for, oh my gosh, has it been like two months now? Hey, I don't even know. I haven't even Probably. checked. I, I didn't want to check. like that. Because I just didn't want to know how long it Fair. had been. It's been a long time. We'll just put it that way. It's been a yeah. long time, but we're back. We're here. We're alive. We're thriving. So, yeah, it's so weird to be doing this again. But <laughs> I always miss like it. I always miss it. Like whenever we miss a week. Yeah. I wish that we had done it because it's just so much fun. And also because we don't live near each other. It's the only way we consistently see each other face-to-face yeah this is like our hangout time too. it is so. yeah it doubles because i mean we message yeah. all day at work but it's not the same it's actually no perfect. it's not the same at all so. yeah i definitely miss it too so work says you'd be back we're going to be talking about the theology of work today so we're basically just going to talk about like how culture influences our thoughts and opinions yes. on our work and just the fact that or we so often get caught up in culture when it's all hustle and bustle especially here in the west like we live in a world in a culture here where it's like everything is like go 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 like what's the next thing what are you doing next and it's just sometimes that can be exhausting um but first we're going to go over our books because we're reading girlies now we're in our reading era that's what we are many girls are (laughs) yeah this is not new um but yeah allison what books have you been reading or what's the last book that you read Okay, I'm super excited to share mine. It's also kind of doubles as the reason we haven't done a podcast in so long because I went on a two-week vacation. I like stored up mm-hmm. all my vacation time at work and just went on two two weeks. So because I wasn't working, I had so much time to read books. So since our last podcast episode, I have read five books. I feel pretty... That's a lot. Because they were also not short books. Most, almost, I think every single one was at, like around 300 pages. Or oh shoot, one of them wasn't, but there were like hefty books. It's not like I was reading like first grade readers. So, all right, I'm just gonna name them real quick. I read The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. I read A Darker Shade of Magic by V. E. Schwab. Those are both fiction. And then I read three nonfiction books. I read Lost Girls and Unsolved American Mystery by Robert Kolker. I read The Office BFFs by Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey. And then I read Love Thy Body by Nancy Piercy. So nice. two, two fiction, one not uh, three non-fictions. One of the ones I think you would find interesting, Liv, was the Lost Girls one. And it's uh, a non-fiction story about like five, I think it's five, five women that went missing and ended up like finding out that there was a serial killer um, <gasps> on Long Island. And it essentially goes through all their stories and their lives, like their their real circumstances from doing interviews with their families about like kind of just what led them into the circumstances they found themselves in. So it's really interesting. It's really, really sad, obviously, because it's a real story. I was going to say that's so sad. Um, <laughs> it's just like super sad. I just remember being really sad when I finished it. But um, we're three. Well, how out of all of the books you read, you're like, this is the one you would like. The really, really sad <laughs> well, one about a serial killer. Because, well, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. That's I don't feel like any it. of the other ones you would be interested in, but I'm like, this is the one. You will yeah, like that's this the, book. That's the part that's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you're not wrong. I would like that one. 
I guess as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, interesting. It's really, yeah, I'm way too into true crime. It's kind of a problem. Anyways, what have you been reading recently? Um, I just finished a book like a week and a half ago. I was telling Allison earlier today that I kind of took a hiatus from buying books because I was literally buying a a new book like every week. Like almost every week, a new book would come. My husband would be like, another one. So it hurts the wallet. (laughs) It does, but they're so entertaining. So um, I took a little hiatus. I did actually order a new book today because I'm going on a trip soon. And so I wanted to have something to read while I travel. Um, But I finished a book trying to think what it was called. Oh, Home Before Dark. That's what it's called. Oh, yeah. Um, Was that one good? It was so good. Another thriller, of course. And it was also by Riley Sager. I kind of decided I was going to like make my way through the Riley Sager books. And so I bought that one. It's really good. It's about a girl that, gosh, it's kind of hard to explain without like explaining a ton of things. But basically, it's like this girl and her family moved into this house, this very historical house that's supposedly haunted. And she doesn't really remember like anything that happened because she was really little, but she knows that they like fled in the middle of the night after living there for like 20 days or something like that. And that's like really all she remembers. And then her dad ended up actually writing a book about it. And so she doesn't really know if like everything that happened in the book is false or not. And she kind of just thinks like it's all stupid. Like it's not actually real. Um, so she kind of goes like her dad ends up passing away. She inherits the house. And so she goes back to like fix up the house and like sell it basically, but also to figure out like if what was written in the book is real or not. So you kind of have like every other chapter is a chapter of like what is happening now. And then a chapter of the book that her dad wrote a book Um, within a book. Yeah. It's a book within a book book section. So um yeah so it was it was really good it was really interesting it had a lot of like twists and turns and like you get to the end and you're like oh my gosh that's crazy like so it was really good I really liked it it was very creative too because it was like you know you're like half reading her dad's book that he wrote and then half reading like her life and it kind of like lined up in a lot of places and stuff too so it was like and like her thinking about different memories and stuff and then like going back to the book. So it was like, it was really interesting. I really enjoyed it. Would you say it is better or worse or the same as Lock Every Door? Because I also read that one. I didn't say that on the podcast, but I also read that book as well. Yeah. Um, I would say it was a little bit worse, but I think that's just because I did not expect what happened in Lock Every Door like right. at all. So it was like, this one was really shocking and it was really, really good. So it was like very, very close. Okay. But I think I just enjoyed Lock Every Door just a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but it was like a very, very close second. Like if I was going to give Lock Every Door five stars, this one would have like 4.7, you know, okay. like just a yeah. little bit. So yeah, it was really, really good. Well, anyways, let's go ahead and get into this. We've probably been talking for like 10 minutes just about this, just about books, but Um, so like I said before today, we're going to be talking about the theology of work, um, when vocation feels like misfortune. So, um, we just kind of wanted to touch on the fact that we live in a culture that heavily emphasizes our career accomplishments and our vocational status. So for some of us, this is obsession with 
what you do sows disappointment when our expectations remain unmet, despite our efforts to improve or escape our circumstances. When our identities and sense of self-worth are connected to our jobs, we can easily find ourselves in a trap of ungratefulness. I know I find myself doing this pretty often when I let myself kind of just get into the wrong headspace where I kind of forget to keep my mind in check. It's really easy to like put my identity into what I do, which will always reap disappointment because it's, you know, something that's not necessarily stable throughout our lifetime. Yeah. I think, I think that sometimes our jobs can feel really meaningless. If, if you do any kind of job that's repetitive or you do the same tasks every single day, it can feel really meaningless after a while. And there's something really interesting that was said on Sunday on the, uh, actually the weekend that we went to go visit you, the pastor was talking about Ecclesiastes and he was talking about how, in Ecclesiastes, the author was talking about how so many things feel meaningless in life. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that can be a little bit comforting is that it's all been said before. Like there is no feeling that you've had about work in your life that not somebody else has not had. Like there's nothing unique about your circumstance that is different. And I think for some people that would feel really discouraging to think like, oh, it's like such a cycle. But that's the beauty in Ecclesiastes and that kind of message that our lives are so fleeting here on earth that it is kind of meaningless in a little bit of a way. Like nobody has experienced anything unique at this point. However, that's what makes it all more meaningful because you know, like I'm not alone in this. Someone has already felt this and it can actually be kind of of, of great comfort. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of explained in Ecclesiastes 3.12 through 13. He says, I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. And it's kind of a parody saying like some people just think that you should eat, drink, and be merry because there's nothing else left on earth. Like you should just enjoy yourself and get pleasure out mm-hmm. of life, which is I mean, you would think that that's a unique message, but we're actually hearing it today and it was said forever and ever ago. It's in the Bible. Like You can look there and see this message that we're getting that we should just enjoy ourselves while we're here is, like, it's not a new concept at all. I don't know. Did you have any thoughts about that and kind of like the meaninglessness of, of work sometimes? Yeah. I mean, I think the thing is like, and something that you made me think of too, um, about this series that my church did on Ecclesiastes is just, um, you know, that saying of like, eat, drink and be merry. It's kind of like, yes, you should enjoy your life because a lot of the things that were given to us are gifts from God. Um, but the reason that we can do that as believers is because we know that this world is not all that there is. Um, you know, so it's like, we don't have to give into that nihilistic mindset of like, there's no point in anything and there's nothing beyond us. And there's nothing beyond this world and everything means nothing. Basically it's like, that's so hopeless. And that's the viewpoint of those who, you know, try to live their lives without God, those who have not been saved. Um, and that's really sad because it's like all the joys that we have in this life can be enjoyed because we know that there's more substance beyond them. You know, like those are, those are blessings. Those are gifts from God, things that we should enjoy, like good food, good drink, fellowship with other people, but they're not like all the substance in this life, you know, Mm -hmm. like, because that's what, that's what Christ is to us is, you know, that substance, that purpose and that identity. So I'm glad you mentioned that because one other thing that occurred to me the other day, I was reading in Exodus and just the idea that God does give us those gifts, but also I was reading in Exodus when God calls Moses 
And it just occurred to me as if I had never known it before that wherever we go in our lives, God goes with us. Mm-hmm. And I was reading a devotional just about how like there's nowhere that God sends you that he won't be with you. So if you're enjoying something that he has gifted you, like he's there with you enjoying that. And then if he calls you to go do something super challenging, he's not just going to send you on your way and give you a bunch of tools. He's got to actually be there right with you. And so we're not alone in our suffering if we're out of job that maybe the boss treats us bad or we don't like our daily tasks or whatever it may be with our jobs or our careers that they don't feel like they're going where we want them to go. That God's there with us in that moment and he understands what we're going through emotionally. And I mean, this episode is really framed around like our careers and our formal jobs but it really can actually be anything like productive and it could be anything applicable to those type of situations not just a formal job because anything we work on it could be our job it could also be our education or degree um, even chores like taking care of our property and the things that we have around our house or other things that we do like working on bettering ourselves through fitness or other professional goals like Anything that can be related to work can come back to the situation. Although this episode is specifically framed around our careers, I think that it's just really important when we think about anything that's productive or that God calls us to work on, this information is still very applicable to any of those circumstances. Yeah, for sure. So going off of that, we kind of just wanted to go into some myths that we tend to believe about work. Um, These might not even be things that we necessarily say out loud, but they're kind of ingrained in our culture. And then therefore they're kind of ingrained in our minds just as we grow up within this Western culture. Um, So we wanted to dispel some myths about work and how our culture views work. So the first myth that we wanted to talk about is that we work just to make money, put food on the table and survive. Um, So this is just not true. (laughs) Yeah. Um, We work to please God and to bring him glory. Work is also where we can flex and develop our gifts, our spiritual and otherwise. Um, You know, that can be a bunch of different skills that could be practical, like a practical skill set that you're developing. Um, It could also be other things such as encouragement and teamwork, problem solving, service, et cetera. And there's so many things that you can learn from multiple different types of work. Um, and we see in first Corinthians 10 31, that it says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. We definitely talked about this before. Um, like I know this is something that we brought up before, I think in our contentment episode, um, where we just talked about how everything that you do can be done to the glory of God. And so even if you're working in a job or you're doing things in your life, that you're not necessarily wanting to do, but you know you need to do for the time being, they can still be done to the glory of God. Um, And you never know the way that God can use your small acts of faith at work or honestly anywhere uh, to move mountains in other people's lives or to just plant seeds for them to see Christ. Um, So honestly, in that, we should do our daily tasks with faith and with praise. Um, God can definitely use what we would say, I guess, quote unquote, ordinary people um, to bring him glory as well. There's really great examples in the Bible of how God uses like quote unquote ordinary people. So just people who are just living their lives, like maybe they weren't following God and maybe they were. But uh, I found a really cool article that just kind of outlined some of these figureheads in our faith that we look to, even though 
they were flawed people and God kind of plucked them out out of what would seem like nowhere. And then, I mean, now these are, you know, huge figures in the Bible that we look to, we look up to. And an example of that is Noah. Um, So, you know, God used him to build ark to save, like save his family after he um, flooded the earth and Abraham and Sarah, who were like these old washed up people who God used to eventually just build a nation. And then Joseph, he was this entitled teen, but then God trained him to save Egypt and also to save Israel. And then Moses, like I just mentioned Moses, um, mm-hmm. you know, he had a really hard background as, as well, but then God used him as a spokesman. He used him as a leader for Israel. There's a lot more, and I'm going to make sure to link the article so you can kind of look through it and you can find all the biblical references for their stories. But those are just a couple examples of people who were just kind of plucked out of nowhere, but they decided to make that small leap of faith, trust God, even if when it was really hard or even if they initially denied it. For example, Sarah laughed and Moses told God, no, I think two or three separate times, like, no, send somebody Mm -hmm. else. But God still decided to use them. And in those small decisions actually turned into this huge wave that now impacts us today as Christians who are reading their stories. And I was actually just listening to a podcast the other day where a guy, um, he was like an atheist for a long time. And at his college, they were handing out free Bibles and um, free copies of C.S. Lewis books. And that's how he mm-hmm. ended up like becoming saved. And so how that person who set up the stand that day to hand out the books probably had no idea but they were just taking that small act of faith to hand out the books like they were supposed to. And you have no idea if your tasks at work are like that. And now these are people that are in, you know, the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. And we don't even think about the fact that when they were going through it, they probably, you know, they had no idea that they were, they were going to be used in such a way, but the sum of your life and your daily work are going to be used by God in ways that you might never see, but just trust that God is doing something with that. And I think mm-hmm. it's also really cool to dispel this myth because it means that when you work, it just shows how cool and practical God is because it has all these different facets and layers to what you're doing. So when you work every day, yes, you are earning money at the end of the day, like you're earning money to put food on the table and have shelter. And that's just a practical way that God uses it. But then God is also using it um, spiritually. He's going to use that to impact other people, you know, the good tasks that you do. So when God is doing one thing, he's actually doing a million things. You're just not seeing it. So That's Mm -hmm. an encouragement to me when I'm just doing tasks every single day that just feel very repetitive, but I know that my faith will be used in the future, but I might not even get to see it. So it's just a really important reminder for all of us. Yeah, no, it's definitely true. I think it's also interesting too, to think about the fact that as we walk by faith and we do things to the glory of God, we might be doing things that will affect other people and bring them to know Christ, um, even if we don't see that happening. Because I think it's easy to kind of, like turn all of that inward, I think, and think, well, I'm not just doing this for that. I'm doing this for personal growth and I'm doing this so that I can learn things. And that's also true, but it's like that can impact so many other people as well. We might not even know it if we're truly just following the Lord. Um, I wanted to actually read some of those verses from Hebrews 11, oh, yeah. um, just to kind of talk about some of the people that you just mentioned and that are included in the article as well. So I'm just going to read verses 7 through 13. Um, So it says, By faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. 
By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in the tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that was his foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. So I feel like that's just a really powerful passage, like especially some of the phrases in there really tell you like where those people were at. Like, for instance, Noah constructed an ark in reverent fear. So he did it because he feared God, not because he was knew what was going to happen or because <laughs> he wanted to learn something from it. He did it in reverent fear. Um, you know, and Abraham did as he was told. Yeah, it says he went out not knowing where he was going. So he literally went out because God told him to, but he didn't know where he was going. <laughs> and with Sarah, she was way past the age to conceive a child. Oh, so far um, past. They were so old. Yeah. Like it, like it shouldn't have been physically possible. It, no, it, it literally says from one man and him mm-hmm. is good as dead. Or yeah. born descended. That literally means that. <laughs> it's so crazy because you it already think about dead. And I mean, what's also crazy, too, is I mentioned a little earlier, sometimes you don't always see what God does. And I'm, mm-hmm. I can just say, here's proof. I'm not just spewing random things to say to encourage right. you. It's actually true because in verse 13, it says, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised. Like sometimes you don't actually get to see the fruits. You get to be, you mm-hmm. get to plant the seed or you get to water it or you get to be a small portion of somebody's life. Even if you work in customer service, you might be 10 minutes of that person's day, but you genuinely have no idea what they're doing in their lives, what their circumstances are, who they're talking to, what their lives look like, what their day looked like. So you genuinely have no idea the positive impact that you could have on other people. So it's just a really good reminder to try with everything we do in our jobs to to put our best effort forth to it. Because to us, it's just another customer. But to them, mm-hmm. it it's you could either alleviate this huge stress in their day or you can make everything worse. So it's just like important to remember when you cross paths with people, even for such a short period in your life, how many people you have the chance to impact with your job. So it's just a really good reminder. Yeah. Like you definitely might not see the things that are promised, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't do the things that God is asking you to do. I mean, all those, all those things, when you think about it, I mean, you might not really see the fruit. You might not get to go into the promised land. You might usher other people into it but that's still a great thing to be used by god and all these men like have these this huge impact on our faith and we read them today like today in 2022 we we're reading about their stories and these people lived so long ago and their small acts of faith had this huge ripple effect it still impacts us for sure um i also just wanted to briefly touch on the fact that sometimes i feel like there can be kind of a cultural disconnect 
um, or I'm sorry, a generational disconnect here as well. Just when we think about like, we work just to make money, put food on the table and survive. I think there, we kind of went from one extreme to another with the past generation and this generation, like our past generation, like all of our parents were kind of in this era of like, you just have to do what you have to do. And like, you just work a job so that you can provide for your family And like, that is just what you do. Whereas like, we've kind of gone almost like to the opposite end and this other extreme nowadays where a lot of people our age in their early twenties, like early to mid twenties are wanting to just like find any way to not work. (laughs) Well, how can I do the least amount of work possible, but still make like enough money to survive and to live my life? Like that's why so many people like choose not to go to college or, and you don't need to, but just like, they'll choose not to go to college and they'll choose to do something like working at like a coffee shop or like something like that, that you would, a lot of people in our previous generation would be like, well, that's something you do part-time for now, but that's not like your career. Whereas like some people kind of want to make it that, you know, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's just interesting to see how there's kind of like one extreme to the other. And so I think sometimes there could be kind of a disconnect there. But I also think there's a balance, you know, vocation like can be like being a good steward of God's world as intended in scripture. It doesn't have to just be putting food on the table, but at the same time, we are called to work hard. Um, You know, Adam was called to do that in the beginning when God basically gave him the responsibility to tend to the garden. Like we're called to work hard. Um, So we exist to glorify God and enjoy him forever, as we've said before. Um, But that includes being a good steward and definitely working hard but also knowing that there's more purpose in your job and what you're doing than just making money and providing. Yeah, very true. And this kind of brings us to our second myth. So I know you mentioned at the beginning of the episode that sometimes this isn't the myths that we're mentioning aren't explicitly said, but I feel like this one really is. And it is the lie that you are what you do. Mm-hmm. I, I just feel like I mean, I don't know. I feel like a lot of times what you do is just, it defines who you are. It's one of the first things that people ask about you. It's one of the first things that you associate with other people. Like, oh, he works there. She works there. It's just, it's just one of those things. And I mean, you spend so much of your life of so much of your week and adds up to, you know, the weeks and the months in your life that you spend at work. And, but I think the problem is that this can be kind of an overemphasis on our jobs as the defining hallmarks of our lives. And I fall into this trap all the time. So I completely understand it. And while our jobs are really important, like you were just saying, they are not actually our defining factor and always forget that it is not our defining factor. First, we are children of God. We're made to please him with our lives. And one way that we do that is our vocational productivity, what we do in our jobs on a day-to-day basis. But I forget that there are so many other aspects of life that are really important and a huge part of who I am. But I tend Mm -hmm. to think that what I do in my job is all I am. And this is something that I just feel like is pushed on us a lot. Um, And the truth that the Bible says in 1 John 3.12 is that we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And when we think of ourselves as just workers or just customer service reps or just coffee shop baristas or whatever it is that we do, and we let that define ourselves, I just feel like our sense of self-worth just goes through all these different throws of good and bad, depending on what's going on in the day, depending on how people treat us, depending on how we feel. 
And we just need to remind ourselves that our identities are first in Christ and not what we do on a daily basis because, I don't know, there's just so much meaningless you, meaninglessness you find if you're always defined by your job or how well you're doing or how well things are going. Um, I also find that I tend to be someone who really likes to control and likes to improve on my work. So I feel like if I'm stretching really hard to do great at work, but my circumstances aren't improving, I get super discouraged. And that's just no fault of mine because I'm doing my best, mm-hmm. but I've unwittingly allowed my job to define who I am. And I feel like oh, I'm not doing anything with my life just because I don't like what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis every single day. Definitely some days I like it and some days I don't. So I'm letting my emotions dictate how I feel about myself, which is a trap that I feel like we fall into a lot of time as a culture. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've said it once and we'll say it again. And if you put your identity into something that's finite, you're always going to come up short. Like you're always going to be feeling like, you're not good enough and what you're doing is never enough. And um, you're always going to have very, like, you're going to have those ebbs and flows of like highs and lows of like, I'm doing great. I'm amazing. And then like when something falters in your job, you're like, I suck, you know, so it's <laughs> like, there's always going to be that kind of like, it's just not stable. Like there's instability there. And I think, you know, that's why it is important to find our identity in the one, the only thing, honestly, that is so transcendent above anything that is um, unstable in this life, which is Christ, Um, which can be hard to do. Sometimes it can be really easy to put your worth and your identity and who you are into what you do, especially when that's honestly very encouraged by culture. Um, kind of like what you were saying, like one of the first questions people ask you a lot of times, especially as an adult is like, oh, what do you do? You know, right. Which, okay. Also, can I just say, I feel like that's such a dumb question to ask people. If I'm being totally honest, like, just like when you first meet someone being like, oh, what do you do? It's like so many people have jobs they don't really enjoy. Yeah. Like there, I feel like the percentage of people that enjoy their jobs is a lot smaller than the people that just like work a job because they need to, and they don't really enjoy it and they don't really like it that much. And they want to be doing something else. So I guess it just kind of cracks me up when people ask that because it's like, are you giving me an excuse to like complain yeah. or, like, <laughs> or do you like want it? Cause then you kind of have to like do this thing where you're like, do I, cause there'll be a lot of times the follow-up question is like, oh, do you enjoy it? Or like, do you like it? Or, you know, like, I don't know. And it's always just kind of like, do I lie? Right. <laughs> like, do I tell you the truth? Like, how deep do you want me to go? Like, yeah. So it's just, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just feel like there's so many questions you can ask people on this planet. And it's like, why that one? I don't know. It's just interesting. Yeah. I think it's a good, I mean, you can kind of get a gauge of like what people value by where they work sometimes, not always, but a lot of times like the company that they work for, the position that they're in, it speaks to their skills and to what they do on a daily basis, of course, and like what they're capable of. So I think it can be a valid question, but I just feel like there are a lot of other great ways that you can get to know somebody. I, I think it's it's great to know what someone's job is, but it is it's interesting to ask, do you enjoy as a follow-up? Because I mean, no one enjo- enjoys their job every like every second of it. Even if they really yeah. like their jobs, everybody has I mean, find someone who's not going to say there's at least like one annoying person they work with or one annoying task they do every day or like there, there's nobody that's like that. So, I mean, it's kind of yeah. a loaded question, but it feels it feels like it's a less personal question than other things, which I also feel like is part of our culture. Like it's just normal for us to ask that of each other. But you wouldn't you wouldn't start a, like a, 
a conversation by asking someone about their relationship history or like everywhere that they've been or like <laughs> it's just not like it seems like a safe thing to ask people where do you yeah. work what do you do which I also think kind of shows our culture like what we value that's like the first thing that we want to know about people and that's the first thing we feel safe asking someone yeah so we need true. to kind of flip the script on what we find valuable to know about other people and just like ways that we can get to know them people are so much more than their jobs at the end yeah. of the day like there's just so many more things to somebody than what they do for yeah us. i just I feel like we just need to like normalize asking like more whimsical questions. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know, like just like really random stuff, like, like asking someone what, what their dream job is instead of what do you do? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, I feel like I'd rather ask someone any day, like, what's your dream job? Like, what do you, right. what would you like to do if you could do anything? Right. You know? And then like, and then I could ask them, oh, is that what you do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, if they say like, no, then just kind of be like, yeah. Okay, so why not? You know, like yeah. it's just kind of like I don't know. I just feel like that's like so much more fun, more to interesting. Being like, yeah, it's like, what are you passionate about, basically? But that's in, like, a good a question. More formal way, you know. Oh my gosh, like, that's a great question. Yeah, so just, it's just like I'd rather know that than like, what do you do? It's just like, yeah, that's just. My I'm sorry, opinion. that's a great. I'm gonna keep that question in my mind. Like, what are you passionate about? That's a great, like, way to get to know someone. Like, what are your interests? Yes, exactly. What do you what willingly choose hobbies? to do with your time? <laughs> yeah, what do you do in your free time? Like, it's just, I don't know. I just feel like there were more whimsical questions we could ask or just more yeah. interesting things to ask about that still tell you about a person, but are like, you know, not oh. like intrusive. Like, what is your relationship? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a good example. Like, that's not- <laughs> who have you dated? Tell me about your relationship history. You got any exes? Like, what what's happening Still in that party of yours? Uh, well, anyways, moving on into myth number three. So this myth is that if you're not enjoying your job, you're doing it wrong and you're in the wrong job. In other words, work should be painless and you should always love what you do and do what you love. Yeah, yeah. I have fallen into this trap many times personally. Um, but honestly, love what you do and do what you love might be a nice catchphrase, but it's incredibly deceiving and it often permeates our view of work. And it kind of makes us think that everything that we should do or everything that we're doing vocationally should be enjoyable, which is not really part of the deal as far as life is concerned. Um, Actually, pain and suffering at work are kind of part of the deal. Um, Unfortunately, after the fall, this is kind of what came into work for as human beings. Um, we actually see that in Genesis 3, 17 through 19, which says, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you. And this is God talking to Adam in pain. You shall eat of it all the days of your life, thorns and thistles. It shall bring forth for you and you shall eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your face. You shall eat bread till you return to the ground for out of it. You were taken for the, you are dust and to the dust. You shall return. Basically, this is saying like you're going to constantly be working and never satisfied um, in your life. You know, like you're going to constantly be doing things. You're going to always be hungry again for something more, you know, like you're going to eat, but then you're going to be hungry again. And it's like that's just kind of like part of the curse of mankind after the fall, Um, because God did intend for work to be challenging, you know, but fruitful and enjoyable. But after the fall, fruitless pursuits and endless cycles of pain and work came into the world. However, I will say, I feel like that doesn't necessarily 
uh, support then like the concept of like, love what you do and do what you love because fruit takes growth (laughs) and growth can be challenging and it can be painful, um, in our lives. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. So it's not like saying that pain is like always a bad thing or that being challenged is always a bad thing or that growth is always a bad thing. Nothing like that. It's just that sometimes we can fall into these endless cycles of monotony where we just feel like we're doing the same thing. We always want more. And that's kind of like what we're touching on here. Um, Because we can always learn something from where we are. We can always pursue growth, even if we would rather be doing something else. Like we said earlier, you know, we can do all things to the glory of God. But just that endless cycle of being discontent and (laughs) constantly wanting more and constantly being hungry again, like those are kind of the things that we deal with as human beings and that are often a part of our culture as well now um, that are just a, a result of the fall, unfortunately. Yeah, it's also a result of the fall that just realistically, some of the things that we do are going to like not amount to what we want them to. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm so I'm the person who at work always wants to constantly improve processes and improve things. So I'm yeah. always pitching ideas and trying to make things better and more streamlined at my job. And sometimes it just doesn't work out. Like sometimes it means whatever you're trying to do may not produce the fruit that you're wanting it to. And sometimes it won't produce fruit at all. Like if that's just not something that, you know, it's not going to turn out that way, that God will, you know, can and will use it for other things and to grow you in other ways, but it's just not always going to turn out the way that you want. And I think this verse really speaks to the fact that like as humans, we go through our days and obviously eat and then we wake up the next day and we're hungry again. Like we live in this cyclical way of our lives and um, it it just kind of speaks to the fact that I mean, work was never intended to be painful, and we also I feel like as a culture we also like shrink away from discomfort and from any kind of pain, mm-hmm. or we don't want anything to be awkward oh, or sure. weird ever. So anything that's painful, they just, like culture kind of just tells you like you need to get away from that as fast as possible. And so there's a part of us that thinks that if we're in a job that we don't like, we should like just quit and find a better job or. or the grass is always, always greener because there's always going to be something that you're yeah. not going to enjoy your jobs. And I I fall in this trap too that I think that if I don't love what I do, then I must be in the wrong job or I must be doing the wrong thing or, or I'm doing it the wrong way. But at the end of the day, sometimes it's just like, no, life is just actually kind of painful and that's part of the deal and that's kind of how it works. And sometimes you just have to grin and bear it. Mm-hmm. That's just that's just how the reality of life sometimes. Sometimes you just have to pick yourself up and move on and keep going because yeah, life suffering is just a part of this life. Um, you know, and someday we will be in heaven, and someday there will be a new heaven and a new earth where there's no more pain, no more suffering. Um, but honestly, you know, sometimes work obviously can be painful, but also just as believers, our lives are going to be painful. We're called to suffer with Christ in several passages of the Bible. Um, Honestly, I think there are probably more verses about suffering for Christ than there are about, you know, being happy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, you know, we're going to experience suffering in this life, especially in a world and in a culture um, that just is, is constantly dying and constantly becoming more and more sinful. Um, we're just, we're going to experience suffering, but that's why we have hope in Christ. So we know that this world is not all that there is. You know, we know that there is life after death. We know that um, one day there will be no more pain, no more suffering, and that it will all be worth it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. This brings us to a fourth and final myth of the day, which is 
you need to be perfectly equipped and skilled for the role that God has placed you in. I think this one is less, it's not said as explicitly. I feel like it's kind of implied in a lot of situations because mm-hmm. I don't know if if you've ever been job searching, just the sheer amount of lists of qualifications and requirements, you read them and you just feel so inadequate if you're looking at yeah. anything that you're slightly underqualified for. Like, five years of experience or you need to have a master's degree in this or you need to have like all these years of experience in a particular field a lot of times you can feel really ill-equipped for some of the things that you want to do in life and you know if you're a fast learner that you could pick up on but that's just definitely a challenging thing and at the end of the day whether the different roles that he's placed us in our lives are not always just in our vocation like they're in our families or in our friendships or in our churches they're in all these different spheres of influence that we hold in our lives and the truth is that god is the one that qualifies us it's not ever by Mm -hmm. our own doing but by the blood of the lamb and the daily work of the holy spirit in our lives which challenges us and changes us and sanctifies us every single day it makes us more holy and better positioned to do god's will and to be part of building his kingdom and so there's going to be a lot of things you're not going know right off the bat and you might feel like you're in a place that you're unqualified or you might feel like that you don't have the capabilities to do something that God has called you to just like Moses said I'm not great at speaking and you want me to be your spokesman but God qualified him God went with him and so yeah. this um does this mean that we shouldn't work hard to prepare ourselves for tasks ahead of us certainly not we should definitely work hard at developing our skills Um, But we shouldn't let the fear of failure keep us from doing what God has asked us to do and step into the the dark places that he's asked us to come into and to shed light on. We have to trust in his sovereignty, trust in his power, trust that if he's taking us somewhere, he's going to be there and he's going to give us the tools that are necessary. If we're willing to say yes and willing to, to step into that in faith. So I just think it's an encouragement if you've ever been somewhere where you feel very out of place or you don't feel like you're ready for something that God may have, you feel like he threw you into, but at the end of the day, he never has. He's always there with you. Yeah. I mean, this is something I know I've experienced in my own life and I'm currently experiencing and will probably experience till I die, (laughs) Um, which sounds super morbid, but it's just like, I know even right now in my life, like there are things that I could be doing so much better at because I don't put myself out there, even though I know that there are things God has called me to do because I feel like I'm underqualified. And um, I have actually personally seen there be things that, and this is like recently, things that God had called me to do. And I kind of like started to do, but then kind of was like, I don't know, like, like, you know, started making excuses. Like, I don't know if I have the time and like, I'm just not really a leader and like all that kind of stuff. And I literally saw like someone else that I would never expect to like step up to do that thing, do it instead of me after I failed to do it. And it's like, you know, God is going to, have his way. Yeah. His will is going to go forth, you know? So it's like, um, you know, and I do believe he has absolute sovereignty over everything, but it's just like, I think that it's, it's amazing what God is doing in that circle, but it's just kind of like, I could have been used to like that. And not that I still can't, like I could totally partner with this girl and like help her move forward with everything. And I probably will, but it's just like, you know, like I could have, I could have been the one to start that. And I literally mm. even started it and then like shied away and I saw it kind of happen. Things like that kind of remind you 
you have to just kind of step up and start doing the things that God is calling you to do. Start doing the things that, you know, he's laid on your heart and just remember that like, he's the one who's going to bring that strength and that confidence and like, you know, all of those things that you need, everything that you need, like his grace covers it all um, in all of those situations. But like, if you never actually go forth and start doing those things, like you're not going to have the grace for them because you're not doing them. (laughs) So yeah. yeah. So I feel like that's definitely something I'm learning personally, something I know I'll need later in life because my husband and I want to plant churches at some point. And if I feel like I am underqualified to just start like a small group, basically of women, <laughs> there's no way I can, I can lead a women's ministry, you know, like in a church it's convicting, you know, like I definitely need to, to start doing that. So we all have those, those moments for sure. I like when you said God's will would go forth because it just kind of made me think his kingdom is going to come. Like you can either be part of it or you can just stand by and watch mm-hmm. it happen. Like you can be part of the game or you can sit on the sidelines. The game is still going to happen, which is it's convicting because it reminds us to participate in his work. But it's also so encouraging because it doesn't matter if you do make mistakes in your life or you miss opportunities. God is still going to do what he's going to do in other people's mm-hmm. lives with or without you, which makes it so much sweeter when he chooses you for things, when he chooses mm-hmm. you to be in someone's life or be a part of that. Because I definitely have those circumstances in my life where I kind of start pushing into something that I know God wants me to do. And I kind of pull back either because I don't think I'm qualified or I'm just like, God, like I don't want to do this. I don't want to be part of this. But it's so amazing that he lets us be part of it, that he mm-hmm. even bothers with us, that he even bothers with using us because he could use anyone else or he could just do whatever he wanted to do. But he still just chooses you know, to use us in other people's lives. So it's so convicting, but also so encouraging at the same time. And it's just a reminder for all of us that he equips us, he goes with us, and his grace is going to cover even when we make mistakes. Yeah. And I used to think like, I remember there used to be a lot of fear in my life over like not doing the things that God had asked me to do. And not that we shouldn't do them out of reverent fear, just like Noah built the ark, you know, what we were talking about in Hebrews 11, but it doesn't have anything to do with salvation because we don't, we're not saved by works. We're saved by faith through grace alone. So it's, you know, so it doesn't have anything to do with that. It's not a soteriological issue, you know, that having to do with salvation. Um, but it is something that we're called to, you know, as believers and as we're constantly sanctified, we should want more and more as our desires change to truly serve Christ. But sometimes that really does look like making yourself step out of your comfort zone, even if something is scary, even if something is just uncomfortable. Yeah. Uncomfortable. It's like, you have to sometimes make yourself step out of that and know that God is who he said he is. And he's going to give you the grace and meet you there when you do, you know? Yeah. Amen. Amen. I hope that this episode was encouraging to any of you who are maybe struggling with your jobs. You're not feeling um, like you're going anywhere with your careers. I hope it was just a helpful reminder to you. And to those of you who love your jobs and you're doing great, I hope that it was just an encouragement and reminder to keep going, keep pressing, um, keep doing the great work that God has uh, placed in your life. Um, Thank you so much for joining us. That's what we have time for today. Next episode, which we really hope will be out in the next week. Like we are definitely going to try to keep up our schedule. Um, yes. I think we are planning to do an episode on a heresy. Is that, are we still planning to do that? 
Are you still planning to do? I think so. Gnosticism. We really wanted to talk about this age-old yes. heresy. So if you're interested in heresies, I find them super interesting. Just like false doctrine. There's a lot in the Bible combating it. So definitely tune in next episode if you're interested in hearing a little bit about that. Um, definitely feel free to follow us on Instagram at Cedar and Cypress Pod. Or if you have questions or want to suggest an episode topic, you can reach us at Cedar and Cypress Pod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time.